Bob and Leslie, thank you for hosting. That was so great. Jens and the team, thank you so much for hosting. We had like 60 plus people there worshiping together in the backyard. Austin, so many great people were there. Um, it was really a great night. And here we are back again with, with, our, with our family. Um, and I love the, the music we just sang. It's so many important truths embedded in that music. And, and one of the first songs was, In the Beginning, God. You know, it, it didn't say In the Beginning, Jim, or In the Beginning, Trevor, In the Beginning, each one of our names. Thank goodness it's not all about us. Thank goodness it's not In the Beginning, Jim, because I don't think I should have that responsibility. <laughs> and I would mess it up. And then it said, God is good. Not just God is in the beginning, but God is good. And then God is with us. I mean, those are truths to build our life upon. So thank you for singing those words with us today. It was really, really cool. Uh, today, we're, we're back in the garden. Um, we're going to talk about rest, blessing, and work. And it's really good to be in the garden. And I was thinking about this, you know, where are we today? Maybe we went from the garden to the farm, right? Out to the farm. And then we took a detour. Maybe we then from the farm, we went to the to the village, right? Maybe then to the town, and then now we're in the city, right? We live in the city, and maybe the imagery is maybe a factory or a warehouse or an office, or perhaps it's, perhaps it's Zoom, and that's where we are embedded in, in this kind of, maybe it's the metaverse that we're, we're living in now. But God starts it with a garden, that's our home. And it's really cool imagery that we have in this garden. And um, so here we are in the garden on day seven. And one of the most common phrases I hear from people, students, teachers, friends, relatives, is, I'm so tired. I hear this all the time. I'm so tired. You hear that phrase? When you talk to people, I'm very tired. It's been a tiring week. I'm very tired. And so we, we have this weariness about this. And there's a good tired, working under the Lord, using our gifts, honoring him, blessing others, trusting in him what we're doing, there's a good tired in that. And there's also a tired that's not so good. There's a tired that comes with making it happen on our own. Ignoring God. Focusing on ourselves. Not using our gifts well. Not acknowledging who's in charge. And so there's a good tired. And there's a not so good tired. So I hope if you're tired, you're in the good category of using your gifts. Of honoring God. Of blessing others. Of, of doing what God has asked us to do in him rather than trying to make your life. And I want to recognize that we live in a culture that promotes this tiredness. We live in a culture that is busy. So let me paint a picture. We are, if you're like me, I'm just assuming you're like me, addicted to activity. We're addicted to busyness. We're swimming in a sea of never-ending choices in Los Angeles. Have you been to the supermarket? Have you seen the amount of choices we have for granola bars? I mean, there's like 40 or 50 different types of granola bars. And not that I eat granola bars all the time, I just noticed that. And cereals, there's just so many choices. We have choices for everything. We're busy. We're working. Our business and work is a given in our culture. It's kind of who we are. By nature of where we live in LA, we're in the fast lane. We are in the fast lane. And so at the end of a week, for someone to say, I'm tired, kind of fits. So let me describe a week in LA briefly. Friday night, maybe this was you. Dinner and cocktails with friends. Saturday morning, surfing, maybe. Or a kid's soccer game, maybe. 
At noon, we kind of run errands. We go to Target and Trader Joe's. We go to the car wash. We might catch the fourth quarter of a football game while we're paying some bills. That evening, we might go out to a game night with the same type of friends. Sunday, we might visit our mom or one of our kids. Perhaps we'll go to church. We'll do some work to get prepared for the week because we don't want to be hitting 8 a.m. Monday morning behind. So we do some work. Then we work 50 to 60 hours a week. We go to the doctor. We go to the dentist. We attend a group. We go to more kids' games. And we might have an evening meeting. That's all good stuff. It's all productive and important stuff. But if we're not careful, if you're like me, you can get, get into a rhythm that gets out of control. In LA, you can go to multiple concerts each night, multiple Bible studies each night, speakers, plays, events. There's things all the time. We have two professional football teams. We have two, prof who has two professional football teams? Two professional baseball teams, soccer teams, college teams. We have so much we get to do. And so we're living in this fast lane. Hundreds of options. We're climbing, obtaining, producing. That's who we are. In Los Angeles, we're very good at working. We're not so good at resting. Agreed? I think we can agree about that. We need to work on rest. We don't need to work on work. We're good at that. We do that really well. We are producers, and because we're producers, and that's what defines us, we have a high standard of living with 75 granola bars. And we never stop. But are we worshipers? Do we produce and worship? God loves that we produce and uses our gifts to do good things and, and to bless society. But are we at the same time worshiping? Are we producers and worshipers? Or are we so solely producers? So let me, uh, let me share you, with you a picture uh, uh, for a second. So you'll see on the bottom left, there's a couple of our kids. I didn't get their permission, so sorry, guys. Um, that's, what, that's, what, that's what comes with being part of the Knight family right there. There's Lindsay on the left. She must have been about three or four. Sue in the middle, and then Ryan on the right. So we spent five summers in Switzerland, working in Switzerland. And that mountain right there on the top right is the view from our penthouse apartment. Penthouse apartment. It was unbelievable. I mean, what's to go wrong? When people started to complain in that, this, this boarding school that we worked at in Switzerland, we said, hey, look out the window. Just look at that right there. And you'll notice, like, the bottom right, it's a little hilly, right? So Sue and I had to walk these hills daily for eight weeks, five summers, up and down this, with this stroller here, with these kids. And she would say something like, hey, could you go down to the market, down to the market, right, and pick up a few things because we, we need some things. I said, sure, I'll go down to the market. So I take off right after lunch, go down to the market. I get to the market, and it's closed because the market in that village closed every day from 12 to 2. People went home for lunch. I was like, oh, man, i got to go back up the hill with these two kids in this stroller with no food. Then I would just go to the market random times throughout the weeks. Sue would, too, we go together. We forget the hours of the market. They close at 5.30. We leave the house at 5.15, get down to the market at like 5.45, closed. They live a different life. Imagine if Trader Joe's was closed from 12 to 2. What would you all do? <laughs> By the way, that stroller broke down. It just completely died in Paris. We were in cobblestones. It broke down. The rest of the world is slower. 
they stop, they cease, they pause, they do different things. And I dare say we are living in the fast lane. They work to live. We, I'm afraid, live to work. Maybe you see that. So let's take a look at rest. We are stamped, we are stamped with a tendency to do. That's who we've become, that's what we've learned. We're stamped with a tendency to do, we're not stamped with a tendency to be. And so I think rest helps recirculate that a little bit. The tendency to be versus the tendency, and not that doing is wrong, it just gets out of control if we're not careful. So let me read the scripture for this morning and we'll dive into it a little bit. So it's a Genesis, found in Genesis 2, 1 through 17. I'll read it, we'll have a number of slides, so 17 verses here. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. And on the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man who him had formed. And out of the gar- ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on that day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So let's... Be thankful for the word of the Lord. Work and rest are given. They're ordained in scripture. They're both important. The issue is if we get them out of order, if we get work out of order, if we get rest out of order, we're not flourishing. We need to get them in the right order. I was talking to Trevor yesterday about this. We we're talking about rest and work. And have you ever heard the slogan, I'll sleep when I'm dead? We hear that sometimes in our, I'll rest when I die. That's the wrong order. Psalm 62 tells us what the right order it is. Truly my soul finds rest in God alone. Our soul needs to be nurtured and rest is part of that. St. Augustine said, my soul is restless until it finds rest in me. There's an order to it. Work and rest are both biblical. But as we integrate the two and how how we come about the two, we find the proper order. The wrong order makes less of us. The right order makes more of us. So let's look at types of rest. There's physical rest, just physical rest for our bodies. There's emotional rest, right? Time for our emotions to have settled down. And maybe if you're angry, you need emotional rest. Uh, There's intellectual rest. Your brain is just hurting and, and not doing well. There's eternal rest. 
are rest for eternity. And then there's Sabbath rest. Let me define Sabbath rest for you. This is the rest I think we're talking about in Genesis. Ceasing, communing with God, and worshiping with the saints. I'll say it again. Ceasing from work, communing with God, and worshiping with the saints. This is Sabbath rest that we're going to talk about this morning. And we were talking yesterday with Chandler at breakfast, and we talked about how some people uh, define rest as, well, when I get these things done on my list, then I'll be able to rest. When I get these things done, then I'll feel restful. The pro- what's the problem with that? The problem is that we're never going to get it all done, number one. And number two, that's not what the Lord is talking about when he talks about rest. He's not just ceasing or finishing the work. Sabbath rest is, is ceasing from the work, focusing on, on the God of the universe, communing with God, taking time to pray. And can you do that while you're swimming on a Sunday? Can you commune with God? Yes, yeah, sure you can. While you're biking, can you communicate and be with God? Yes, you can. You're here this morning. We're communing with the saints. There's all different types of way, ways we can cease work and then commune with God. You can do it working out. There's plenty of ways you can do that. My kids said to me, you can do that taking a nap, right, Dad? I'm like, great, that's, that's good for you. You can take a nap and that'll work for you. So there's different ways we do this. So let's look at Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, the next slide. Sabbath rest and why rest? So first, the next slide, please. Thanks. So first we see here in verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all, God, all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. So this idea of finishing. Let's talk about finishing for a second. Did God finish working? And is he done finished? Is he done working? So the idea here is God finished creating. And on the seventh day, he rested. By the way, he's still creating. He's still at work. He's not just finished here and then... I'm just absent from society and humanity. You guys got it from here. I I created, I'm finished, and you guys have it. That is not the case, and thank goodness. God finished creating, he finished creation, and now he is still at work in our lives to heal, to, to form, to convict, to teach, to give vision for the future, to support. He is so active. In fact, God is so active, he works while you sleep. Isn't that cool? While you're sleeping, he's still working on your behalf. He's doing things. So it, it isn't fully finished. Creation is finished. He created. He died on the cross. He will not stop working for our best and for his glory. The second thing here is verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The seventh day has been blessed. It's different than the other six days. It's not a normal day. It's separated from common use. It's a day to stop. It's different than the other six. And then God made it holy. He set it apart. It's a special day for us to commune with God, to be set in the right order, to reset, to refocus, to come to confession, ask for forgiveness, to worship with the saints. It's a special day set apart. It's not just some any day. It's God. By the way, all days are God's days. But this is a special day designed for us. God did not need to rest. He didn't need to rest. He rested as a kindness towards us. He rested because he wanted to show us how to flourish and how to live well. 
He didn't need to rest. Thank goodness he did rest and said, here's how you do it, humans. Here's how you're going to flourish. You're going to have this seventh day set apart, made holy. You're going to rest. I didn't need to do it, but I'm doing it for you. I'm setting this example, giving you a vision what this rhythm looks like. The rhythm of waking up every day where God's blessings are new. Morning glory. Then you live your day out and you walk further away from God every minute of the day, probably like me. And then you hit your head on the pillow, hit your head on the pillow, and you say, please God, forgive me. And there's evening grace. Morning glory, evening grace each day, and the Sabbath rest on the seventh day set apart. This is a rhythm he gives to us, which is a tremendous blessing. The other thing we need to know is that this rest was set up in Genesis. It wasn't set up with the law of Moses. This was not set up sometime later. This was built into the creation. Rest that he's given, the Sabbath rest was built into the creation. It's built in the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to have these rhythms. It's from the very beginning. It is not sometime later. It is from the beginning. Set into action at the creation. And then Jesus gives us an example of some of this rest as well. Jesus had an active ministry. He taught, he went to meetings, he healed, he had dinners, he went on walks, he did all kinds. He was very active in the city. But Jesus also left the city and went on to the mountain to pray. He went on to a mountain to pray. He communed with God away from his ministry. And if you know anything about medieval monks, medieval monks spent their time on the mountain praying, communing with God, and then they would go into the city to do service. We have a Jesuit novitiate, a Jesuit seminary right across the street from our home. And they come there, the, 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 they're training to be priests. They come there for two years, and for six months they study and pray. They actually have a silent retreat in November where they're silent the entire month. They're walking around the campus, they're walking around the street, they're silent. And I always try to mess them up, like talk to them. And they're, and they're like, I'm allowed to talk to you. you know, I'm, I'm just not allowed to talk to any of my friends here, but you I can talk to, so stop trying to mess me up. So 30 days are silent. It's incredible that they're silent for 30 days. So six months study, prayer, silence, communion with God, and then six months of service in the most difficult places in Los Angeles. The emergency room at USC, graveyard, at night. Can you imagine what they deal with? Skid Row serving for six months. They rest for six months, and they serve for six months. This is the rhythm that God has given us. Time away from it. Time to, to recharge, trying to refocus on God. And so let's be, and you might say like, well, Jim, I'm not a monk. And my response to you is like, be monk-like. It's like Ted Lasso says, be a goldfish, right? I'm going to say, be monk-like. Learn how to rest and take away time away on the, on the mountainside and then go into the city to do service. Even... I'm addicted, well, I'm not quite addicted. Well, maybe I'm addicted to, uh, to YouTube. I've watched every single YouTube video on the internet on mountain climbing and, and, and parkour, like parkour too as well. So I've watched all of that. And I know everything about Mount Everest, climbing. I'm just fast. I never want to be near Mount Everest because I couldn't breathe there. But I, I'm fascinated with Mount Everest. And when they climb Mount Everest, it takes them like over a month and a half, two months to do this. And it doesn't take them long to climb. They have to get acclimated to the, to the mountain. So these guys are at base camp. And they hike up through the Kumbo Ice Falls up to Camp 1. And you know what they do after that? The craziest thing, they hike back down. 
and they rest for a couple days. Then they hike back up to camp two, to camp three, and you know what they do? They turn around, they hike back down to rest for a couple of days. And I mean, if I'm not making it to camp one, I'm not turning back and going, up. I'm not going back down. I'm going straight up because I'm not, there's no way I'm climbing that thing six times, right? Effectively, they can't climb Everest like six times in one trip, right? The point is there's work and there's rest. If you just climb the mountain, if you're only trying to obtain and produce and climb and climb and climb and focused on you and not re- time, taking time to reflect on who God is, I think we're missing the mark. So let's be monk-like. Let's come back down to base camp. Let's get some rest before we start climbing again. The next thing is why we rest. Let's talk about why we rest. And I think there's a number of reasons why we rest, but one reason that why we rest is as we rest, as we do the spiritual disciplines of prayer and rest, fasting, worship, Bible reading, these spiritual disciplines, they help us see like Jesus sees. Because we see this, we see this in front of us. You know that Jesus sees more than this? He sees much more than what we see. So as we rest, we get to see like Jesus sees. On the mountain, in our rest times, we begin, especially if we're doing a Sabbath rest, we get to see like Jesus sees. We get to experience more of life. There is a spiritual world. We do have a soul, and we see very little of it. And so rest helps us see what's happening spiritually around us. Right now, we see through a glass dimly. One day we'll see fully. Right now, according to Corinthians, we see dimly. One day we'll see fully. But the the thing is, as we go through life and focus on the habits, one of them being rest, we begin to see a little more clearly. Do we want to see more clearly tomorrow, the next month, the next year? More like Jesus sees? What a gift that would be to be able to see more like Jesus sees. But those rest habits have to do with this. You know, in Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain in Matthew 17. And he's transfigured there in Matthew 17. And they see Elijah and Moses. How is it they see him? They're seeing things that we don't get to see. And they get to hear God's voice. They hear God's voice saying, this is my son with whom I love and I'm well pleased. Peter, James, they see Elijah and Moses and they hear God's voice. There is more than going on that we know. They weren't seeing that. And Jesus showed them that. Moses at Sinai sees the backside of God. Adam and Eve in the garden, they walked with God. I'm afraid that I am so addicted to the material world. I'm so addicted to only what's in front of me that I'm missing out on the spiritual world altogether. And God has so much more for us to see and so much more for us to participate in. The woman at the well, when Christ interacts with the woman at the well, you know the story. She sits there in midday and he looks at her. He'd never met her before. He said, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. He sees right into her life right into her heart, and offers her, to, offers her forgiveness and eternal life. When we see people, are we seeing into their life? Or are we just seeing people? Are we seeing people? God shows us things that we don't normally see when we practice the spiritual habits, especially Sabbath rest. How do you see people? 
we talked about this in the very beginning of Genesis. How do you see people? If you're like me, I see my boss or some of my family members as the enemy. Sometimes the, the foe is, the enemy is people around you. And God's saying, no, no, no. Your boss is not your enemy. Your mother's not your enemy. That friend that annoys you is not your enemy. They're image, make, they're image bearers of Christ. They have God's image stamped on them. These are people who God loves. Do you see them that way? Do you see your neighbor as God's creation dearly loved? He died for them. He's recreating them. He's forming them. Or do we see them as foes and enemies? The enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is principalities, powers of darkness. The enemy is Satan. That's who the enemy is. And when we begin to rest, we begin to see the spiritual world. By the way, Christ has conquered the enemy, which is great news. But the enemy is not the people around you. They may be difficult we're called to forgive others who are difficult. We're called to, 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 uh, to walk the extra mile with those who are hard. But our real enemy is powers and principalities. Each one of you, as we begin to see more clearly, sees that each one of us is made in God's image. Very tove. Very good. And that we should treat others and look at others that way. And Ephesians 6 tells us the real enemy are forces of evil. Powers of spiritual forces, principalities. I have a friend from Stanford, and he went to Oxford, and he's an Orthodox priest. And I said, hey, Andrew, Father Andrew, why did you become an Orthodox priest? He said, let me tell you a story. He said, there was an Orthodox priest in Greece on the road, on a dusty road. He was an Orthodox priest and two others with him. So three priests all together. And the, the leader of the group said, there's going to be a taxi that drives by at some point today. We're going to get in the taxi. The two of you are going to sit in the back. I'm going to sit in the front. So they're walking along this dusty road in Greece, and the taxi pulls up in this remote location. They get in. He gets in the front. The taxi driver sees that they're priests and just has an issue. He's, like, just upset. He doesn't like priests. He's upset about this whole thing. And the, the, the priest in the front of the cab starts talking to him. He said, there was a man who owned a farm. And he had a neighbor, and the neighbor killed the farmer and took his land and sold the farm and bought a taxi. And the taxi driver slammed on the brakes and looked at him and said, how did you know that? He said, God put me here for your salvation. He saw differently. He saw into this man's life. Is that possible? Does God have more for us? I've never seen that way before. But I want to see more of life. I want to see others as God's creation. I want to see others as souls, eternal souls. I want to see others as important to God. And I want to see beyond the material world. There's more for us in this life than just what we see, just what we produce. And Sabbath rest helps us see that. Rest is a gift from God. It's his kindness. Rest transforms us to be more like him. Rest is an act of worship. When we rest and let him take control of our lives, we're worshiping him. We rest to depend on him, to allow him to make us rather than us make ourselves. Who would be better at making us? You making yourself or God making us? I think we all know the answer to that, if we're honest. We make a mess of it on our own. God makes it really cool. 
Let's rest and give up control to him and allow him to form and shape us. When we rest, we mimic God. When we rest, we're restored. So rest is really important. Let's go on to the next section here. There's blessings in Genesis here. So let's go, let's go to the next word. Here's some blessings for us. Then the Lord God formed the man of, the, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Some blessings. First, food. Food's a blessing, right? God gives us food. He gives us uh, nutrients, sustenance. So we need to be thankful for that food, thankful for those things. So food is a tremendous blessing. The next thing is God breathed life into us. That is a blessing. We're not an accident. God intentionally breathed life into us. He's intentionally working in our life. He's got a purpose, a plan. He's doing things in our life. Whether we know it or not, he is intentional. He breathed life into us. And we need to get into that attention. What is our purpose? Trevor started the whole series off with the uh, dingle hopper, right? It was a dingle hopper. Remember Little Mermaid? When they're, when they're combing their hair with a fork? They didn't know what the fork was for, right? They just said, this is a fork. It's a human fork. The mermaid and the, and the sea creatures combing their hair with the dingle hopper. They didn't know what their purpose was. God has a purpose and plan for each one of us. And the, the sooner we know that, the more we get into that, the better we're going to be. Mark Twain quipped, the two most important days of your life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Those are the two most important days. God has a, a plan for us. He intentionally formed us. He breathed life into us. That is a really good thing. And we come on Sabbath to rest together, to remind each other our purpose to glorify God and to love others. To glorify God and love others. We have an incredible purpose. God's created an incredible universe. He's done these amazing things and he wants us in on it. So he formed us and breathed life into us. That is a tremendous blessing. The other thing is, we're planted and placed. Look at that verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. We are put in a garden. We are placed in the garden. We have a home. We have a solid ground home to belong to for now and for eternity. We're not wanderers. We're not disconnected. We're a family of people that are planted and placed in a home. And for, for me, that means it's very significant because, you know, I went to nine different schools before high school. I was wandering all over the place, but to be planted in a home means something to me, specifically. And if you're like me, maybe you're, plant, maybe you're transplanted from like Texas here. Maybe you're transplanted from New York. Maybe you're coming from somewhere else. God places in a community of believers. He places in a garden. He gives us a home. Tremendous blessing. So food, he breathes life, life in us, gives us a plan, and he places it in a garden. So there's tremendous blessing in Genesis here. And finally, let's talk about work. We'll end this with work. So turn over to the next slide, please. So work entails three things. There's the caretaking part of work and the toiling part of work. 
we'll take, uh, spend a minute on caretaking and toiling, a minute on provision of protection, and a minute on working to, unto the Lord. Go ahead to the next slide. Okay. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Okay, so at this point in Genesis, women, has, women have not been created yet. Men have been created at this point. So at this point, the Lord put man, man in the garden to work it and keep it. So this idea of working it, providing, keeping it, protecting, God has given a special responsibility. Like, I'm serious, a responsibility to the men in the room to work and keep, to produce and protect. We were, Sue and I have been married 34 years. Year six, I remember it like it was yesterday. Year six, she sits me down. One of those talks, guys, sits me down. She says, um, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not providing and protecting. You're not leading our family spiritually. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm going to say it again. You're not leading and protecting and providing for our family spiritually. You need to do this. This is what God has given to you as a responsibility to provide and protect for our family. And I was doing all kinds of stuff, but I wasn't spiritually guiding her. And she asked me to do that. I'm like, I was kind of embarrassed. I shouldn't have been asked to do that. I should have been doing that. It's God's given me this responsibility. And so from that day forward, it changed my entire thinking. Thank you, by the way, for saying that to me all those years ago. It got me on this track of like my responsibility. God's given me this responsibility to provide and protect and to lead spiritually my family. And so I've tried to do that imperfectly for the last, you know, many, many decades. And hopefully that responsibility is something God will look at and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But, men in the room, we, we are held accountable to lead our families, are held accountable to present our wives blameless and holy. That's a scary thing to me. But it's also a thing that God has given, too. And then God creates women and places her in the garden, too. And she has a role in providing and protecting, working alongside her husband to do that. Trevor's going to hit this more next week. But that is what some of the things that's happening under work in Genesis. This idea that man is there, that providing and protecting. Okay, next slide, please. And finally, we work unto the Lord. Our work. We don't work unto our boss, although we do. Technically, we do. But our final authority is not our boss. Our final authority, and we need to listen to our boss in our life. We need to respect our bosses, honor our bosses. But our final authority in our life is God. We work unto the Lord. And look how it says, heartily unto the Lord. Do it with your, all your heart, with all your gusto, as for the Lord, not for men. We're working unto God. So if you're like me, I get tripped up all the time, like thinking about the people. And we need to bless the people we work with, and we need to honor them. But there's something else going on besides just working unto the people that are around us. God's given us a, a grander vision, something more to do. So that work, by the way, in the garden, it was caretaking. Before the fall, they were with God in the garden, taking care of it. Do you know the difference between caretaking and toiling? So after the fall, there's toiling. Work becomes difficult. It's hard. They have to till the soil. It's very difficult. In the garden, it's caretaking. Man, I miss the caretaking. I really, that's an image that's just so incredibly beautiful. We will work in heaven. 
We will caretake in heaven. The toil will be removed. We're working unto God. In the garden we are caretaking. Now we toil. Eventually we'll caretake again. And I believe, I really believe, the more we rest, the more we have these habits, the more we work under the Lord, the more that caretaking peace comes back into it a little bit. Or heaven meets earth. The idea of caretaking and toiling, working together. If we leave God out of it, if we work unto men or unto ourselves, I'm afraid it's just toil, which is what God set up for now. But there's a caretaking element to work. There's a seeing element to life that we see more clearly. We caretake more as we go closer to God. So let's think about this balance between caretaking and toiling and working unto the Lord. So if you're tired and weary, if you're running nonstop to keep up with all the choices, if you can't say no to things, because there's so many people and so many invitations, come to this event, come to this party, come to this worship night, come to, if you're weary like that, let me tell you what Matthew 11:28 says. Here's what it says. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen? That is a huge gift. We don't labor alone. When we get weary, when we get tired, when we're heavy, we're burdened with things in life because life can burden us. We can go to God for rest. His yoke and his burden are light. Let us trust him. Let us go to him. Like the prodigal does when he comes home, he kneels at the feet of his father and his father embraces him, says, welcome home. We find our rest in Christ. We find our Sabbath rest in Christ at the foot of the cross. If you're a Christian today, and perhaps you've lost the discipline of Sabbath rest, you've ignored it, and perhaps you're setting aside that gift of Sabbath rest, God has more for you and for me. More abundance, more vision, more seeing, more purpose, more of life. I want more of life. I want more purpose and more thing. And so he says, take a Sabbath rest and become more fully human. And perhaps you don't know Jesus or you don't. Um, we got some fantasy football going on over there, I think. Uh, hope, hope you're winning. Uh, if you're not a Christian today, and perhaps you've cut God out of your life entirely, your creator, and you're kind of doing it on your own. You're, it's in the beginning as you and not God, and maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe God's dead. Maybe you're not sure if there's a God. And you have been on this cycle of making it happen. By the way, Christians do this as well. We try to make it happen. We're going to just produce and make it happen. We're going to knock down doors, and we're going to do it ourselves. We're swimming in activity. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling bitter when things go wrong, when people mistreat us. God wants to lift us up. He wants to lift that from you. So Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he left the right hand of the Father. I don't know why he would do that. If I was at the right hand of the Father, I would never leave. Why would you want to go somewhere else? That's the perfect place to be. But Jesus was obedient, and he became a human. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and he died on a cross 
for our brokenness. And we all know we're broken. If we're honest for two seconds, we know we're broken. We know we missed the mark. He died on a cross for our brokenness. He took our place. I mean, it's the greatest story ever told. And we get to get in on it. And people get hung up on all these other things. Focus on Jesus for one second. He entered this world. He didn't need to. He obeyed his father. He lived. He died in our place and rose again, conquering those forces so that we have, may have eternal life, so we may have abundant life, so we may flourish and thrive today, have peace and joy, understanding and wisdom, using our gifts to the fullest. We can live life without God. Many people do okay at that. For now, we can live life with God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the garden. Thank you that you placed us in a garden and that you've rested on the seventh day. You didn't need to rest, but in your kindness, you rested and gave us an example of the rhythms we need to fully flourish. Lord, we live in a, in a city that works, that doesn't sleep, that goes, that produces. And there's something good about that, but there's also something that's missing from that going and doing. And, and we, we don't want to leave you behind. We want you to be out in front of us. We want you to lead and guide us, Lord. Help us to be firmly planted in you. Let you to shape and mold our life, Lord. We understand that we want to climb, climb up and up and up, and we want to get to the top. But sometimes we need to go down to base camp and rest. And it's not just ceasing from activity. It's not just getting our list done so we can feel better. It's actually talking to you, which includes listening. It's actually being at your feet, Lord. To allow you to work in our lives. And then doing that with brothers and sisters, our church family. Lord, thank you that you allow us to see like you. Help us to see our friends and our family as those made in the image of God. Help us to see our enemies, those that vote differently than us, those who live different, that parent differently than us. Help us to see them. Emboss with your image. Very good. Very tove. Lord, you are so kind. Thank you for this garden. Thank you for this life. Help us to not leave you out of it. Help us to place you in the very center of it. In the beginning, God. Thank the Lord. In the beginning, God was good. Thank the Lord even more. In the beginning was God. He was good. And he is with us. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to rest today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.